Man, how amazing to exalt the Lord together. Can't think of a better way to end the year and begin the new year. And I want to welcome you to church today, those that are here in Mesa, those joining us at South Mountain and Fountain Hills and online. Thank you so much for being in church today. My name is Nate, and I'm so glad to be here. And uh, no better way to begin the year than in the house of the Lord with the people of God lifting up praises to the Lord. I'm so glad you're here today. I hope you had a very Merry Christmas. I want to wish everybody a Happy New Year. And today I want to bring a word from a popular Old Testament story from the book of Daniel, chapter number six, known as Daniel in the Lion's Den. Daniel in the Lion's Den. It's a story of faith. It's a story of courage. It's a story of struggle. It's a story of the miraculous, miracle-working hand of God involved in the people of God. And it's a story of trusting the Lord. And that assessment is not just an assessment for me, but it's actually what the scriptures tell us about Daniel chapter 6. At the end of Daniel being saved uh, from the mouth of the lions, God saves Daniel. And we're going to go through the story today. But at the tail end of it, it tells us, something about Daniel that's true of him throughout the duration of the story. In verse number 23, this is after Daniel has been saved and he's been brought out of the lion's den. And it says that no wound was found on Daniel because, that's an important word, here's the reason why Daniel wasn't harmed. It wasn't because the lions weren't hungry. It wasn't because Daniel fought them off. The reason is because he had trusted in his God. Verse 23 tells us a truth about Daniel that we can hold on to and look at throughout the entire story. What does it look like? What does it mean to trust the Lord? Daniel was somebody that trusted in the Lord. In the title of my message today, I want to talk around this idea. You can trust God. You can trust God. I don't know how this year has been for you. I don't know what's on the horizon in the new year. But what I do know is that I and we can trust the Lord. We can trust the Lord. The book of Daniel is an interesting case study in what it means to be a follower of God in the midst of a day and an age and a culture that is not following God. He was brought, along with other Hebrews, to a foreign land of Babylon. And in Babylon, they didn't worship the God of Daniel. They didn't follow the laws of the God of Daniel. It was, it was a culture that was totally contrary to everything that Daniel believed and how Daniel lived. But Daniel is a great, is a great uh, he's a great case study in how you can live for God in the midst of a culture that doesn't. How you can live with conviction in the midst of a culture that doesn't. That you, that you can be light in darkness. That you can follow the Lord even when you're in Babylon. And, and he doesn't just survive in Babylon, but Daniel thrives in Babylon. The, 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 the people of God do not just have to survive in the midst of a foreign land, but, but we can thrive and the hand of God can be on us in spite of the fact we're in a foreign land. So Daniel's in Babylon, him and other Hebrew boys are there, and he's got a government job. He works for King Darius, and he helps him and assists him in the affairs of the government. And he, he's really doing what Paul talks about in Colossians 3, where Paul says, do all of your work 
as unto the Lord. In everything you do, Work as unto the Lord as if you're doing it for him, not just for humans. And, and so Daniel is working a government job and he's doing it so well as unto the Lord that God's hand is just blessing him in Babylon as he works for a king that doesn't serve the Lord. It tells us this in uh, verse number three of Daniel six. He so distinguished himself amongst the administrators and the satraps by his exceptional qualities that the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. So come on, somebody, it's promotion day. Daniel is in Babylon, and he's doing so well in his job that the king of the entire kingdom sees that and says, I want to give him more authority. I want to place him over many more things. I want to promote him to a higher place, even in Babylon. It's an example of Daniel thriving, not just surviving. But how many know when the hand of God is on your life and God blesses your life, not everyone will be your cheerleader. Not everyone will be enthused. Not everyone will be excited about it. If you want every single person to be a cheerleader about everything God is doing in your life, you might be disappointed. And this was very true of Daniel. Daniel is getting promoted But verse number four tells us that the other administrators in the satraps, they tried to find grounds for charge against Daniel in his conduct of government affairs. So so they're saying, hey, we don't want him to get promoted. And so in order to take him out, we have to find a reason to take him out. We have to find something he did. Surely there was a comment he made. Surely there was a business deal in his work where he cut a corner. Surely there was a lapse of integrity somewhere along the line, and we can find it, we can bring it out, and he will not be promoted. We must take him out. And I love the scriptures tell us they begin to look and they find, and they were unable to do so. He was a man that lived with integrity before God and before others. They looked at his life and they had nothing. But they did notice one thing. They noticed he was committed to his God. Now this is interesting because this is a group of people who don't love God. This is a group of people who do not follow God. But they see Daniel and they know without a doubt he loves God. He follows God. Like you, if, if you're serving the Lord in such a way, there, a, a lost world around us that doesn't know God, doesn't know the ways of God, should still be able to look at our life and say, they love the Lord. I don't know the Lord, but I could tell they love the Lord. I don't know the ways of God, but I can tell they're committed to the ways of God. They, they love the Lord. And so this was true of Daniel. They said, he, he's really committed to God and the laws of his God. He seems to really care about that. So verse number five they come to this conclusion. We'll never find any basis for charge against this man, Daniel, unless it has something to do with the law of God. So they said, okay, we can't take him out because we couldn't find any reason to take him out, but we can take him out if we bring up something against his God. So they put their heads together and they brainstorm an idea to propose a law to King Darius. And the law goes like this. If anyone prays to anybody except King Darius, For the next 30 days, their life is over. They get a death sentence. They get thrown in the den with the lions because King Darius is king. King Darius is Lord. King Darius is the greatest authority. We must pray to him and nobody else. And they knew that Daniel prayed to his God, and so they set a trap. 
They set a trap. They bring the law to King Darius, and you have to remember at this point, King Darius does not love God. He does not serve God. He loves himself, and he serves himself. And so a law about people praising him landed really good on his ears and his prideful heart to say, yes, please, give give me the attention, give me the authority. So King Darius signs the law, and they did this strategically. He signed the law, the scriptures tell us, with the Medes and the Persians. That was the surrounding areas, and that's significant because when it was signed with the Medes and the Persians, what that meant was there was zero exceptions, There was no veto power from the king. There was no loopholes. There was no way around it. Because of how the law was signed, it was set in stone. It is now done. Anyone that prays to anyone but King Darius for the next 30 days, their life is over. Verse number 10 tells us, I love this so much, that when Daniel learned the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room with the windows open towards Jerusalem, and three times a day, He got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Evidently, David, I'm sorry, David, David wouldn't have cared either, but Daniel didn't care. (laughs) David definitely wouldn't have cared. Daniel didn't care. Just as he had done before, he goes upstairs and he prays to his God. Now, of course, this is exactly what they thought he would do and what they wanted him to do. But Daniel prays to his God. And verse number 10 is important. The beginning of that verse tells us when he learned the decree had been published. So Daniel is not doing this ignorantly. When he learned it was published, then he went and prayed. Okay, here's a translation for you of verse number 10. When Daniel learned, if you pray, you die. Daniel prayed. When, when Daniel learned, if you pray, that promotion you are about to get is now gone, then he prayed. When Daniel learned, if you pray, your life will get very inconvenient and very uncomfortable very quickly, then he prayed. Then he prayed. See, Daniel, Daniel knew that he had a decision to make. And like Daniel, all of our lives are filled with decisions. Are we gonna obey God or not? And what Daniel shows us is that when you trust God, you can obey him. When you trust God, you can obey him even when it's easier not to. When you trust God, you can obey him even when you don't understand. When you trust God, you can obey him even against all odds. You know, we, we often like to justify our disobedience. Like, I just think of maybe the thoughts Daniel could have thought, you know, okay, if I pray for the next 30 days to the Lord, my life could be over. Um, he could have justified this a few different ways in his head, right? Uh, it's only 30 days, it's just, it's just 30 days. Like on the back end of that 30 days, I'll just make up for lost prayer. I'll just pray double the next 30. And then net 60, I'll be good over 60 days in prayer. I, I'll just, I just won't pray for the next 30 days. Or you could, I mean, you know, he could have thought this. He could have thought, you know, God's hand is on my life right now and he's promoting me. God wants me to have more influence in Babylon. And if I pray right here, I'll lose all my influence. 
If I pray right here, then I won't be able to continue to rule in a foreign land. Then all the, all the blessing and the things God is doing in my life here in Babylon, it will come to an end if I do that. So surely God doesn't want that to happen. And right, you can begin to justify disobedience. But, but when you trust God, you can obey God. Even when you don't understand. Even when it's easier not to. Even when it's not popular. Even against all odds. See, trusting God is not just something you say with your mouth. It's something you do with your life by walking in the ways of God. A a byproduct of trust is action. And, And the proof is in the room today. Every single person has demonstrated this reality today because every single one of you sitting down today trusted the chair you're sitting in, hence why you sat down in it. If, if you didn't trust the chair, you wouldn't have sat down. But because you trusted it, you put your weight on it. Why? Because action follows trust. When you trust God, you can obey him. You can, you can look at the decisions before you and know the will of God and the word of God and the ways of God and say, I'm going to walk in God's ways because I trust the Lord. For some of you, you have challenging decisions to make as we approach the new year. And for some of you, the the right decision, the God-honoring decision is the tough one. I want you to know today, you can trust him. You can trust God. But I don't just want us to trust God and walk in his ways knowing, oh my gosh, this is going to be challenging. Oh my gosh, I'm going against all odds. Buckle up, put the seatbelt on. A life of faith and trust with the Lord is going to be brutal. Hold on tight as we love God. Like, no, no, no. I trust God believing that God's a big God. I trust God believing that God is greater than anything I face. I trust God believing God's a miracle working God. I obey God knowing that God honors and blesses his word and his ways. I trust God full of faith that he can do the impossible in my life. But how many people are like me this morning You like to trust God, and then you also like to tell God how to come through for you in the situation. Any unspiritual people in church today like me? I am a planner at heart. I love to plan. I love to have everything lined up. I love, I know everything about 2024. I got my plan. I got my thing. Everything is all set. And so faith and trust can be hard if you are a planner. So, so my, my prayers will go like this. Oh, Lord, I don't understand. Oh, Lord, I'm trusting you. But by next Tuesday at lunch, I need an answer. <laughs> Come on, anybody like this? And Lord, here's the answer I want you to give, right? <laughs> For not careful... We can, we can begin to prescribe God how he intervenes in our life. But if, if we do that or don't, we believe God's, God's with us. God is a miracle working God and God can move in my life. And I know that Daniel prayed that day full of faith. I know that because he had seen the miracle working power of God already in the book of Daniel. He already saw it. He, he knows God does miracles. He knows God rescues and he saves. He knows God has done it before and he surely can do it again. He's, he's praying in Daniel chapter 6 knowing my God is a miracle-working God. So if, if today we could just put ourselves in the shoes of Daniel, in the mind of Daniel, 
what would Daniel have thought? How is God going to come through for Daniel? Because he, he knew God was a miracle-working God. He knew that God could come through for him. So I'm thinking about Daniel. He's in his room in his home, and he's getting ready to get down on his knees and pray. And, and here it is. He knows this is the point in which it might go bad quick. And he gets down and pray, but I, he's, he's got to be thinking, God's with me. God can do a miracle. Maybe, maybe God can do a miracle right here in my home. And as I pray, I'm just miraculously not going to get caught. God could blind the eyes of every administrator in the land. God, God can do anything. And right here in my home, I'm going to be faithful to his word against what makes sense in my mind, and God will do a miracle right here in my home. And he gets down and prays, and sure enough, that does not happen. They come in right away. He is caught. He fell into the trap, and he is arrested. And I've got to think, as they're leaving the home on the way to the palace, Daniel is thinking, well, okay, Lord, you didn't come through in the home. However, you can come through in the palace because Daniel had favor with the king. God had given Daniel favor. So this would make sense in the mind of Daniel. Daniel would have been thinking, the king likes me. The king does not want me dead because the king was going to promote me. The king does not want to lose one of his leaders. The king wants to spare my life. God did not spare my life in my house, but God will spare my life in the palace. So they get before the king, and sure enough, the king's heart, the scriptures tell us, is grieved. The king is not delighted at what he is seeing. He does not want to end Daniel's life. But because of how the law was signed, his hands are tied. So so he has to give the order to have Daniel tossed in the den. It grieves his heart. He doesn't want to do it, but he gives the order, and Daniel is not rescued in the palace. And I have to think as Daniel is leaving the palace and getting ready to be thrown in the lion's den, think about the scene with me and all of the details and the reality of what it would have been. He would have heard the lions. He would have smelled the smell of the lions. He's getting ready to be tossed in. And Daniel has to be thinking, God did not rescue me in my home. God did not rescue me in the palace. And here I am in the lion's den. And I know God is good. And I know he is powerful. But in his sovereignty, he has chosen to not come through for me. And so this is what it is, and God is good, but that's my story. And he gets tossed in the den, and isn't it funny that it's in the den where God rescues Daniel? It's, It's in the den where God comes through for Daniel. See, he's showing us in this story, here's the second thing about trusting the Lord. When you trust God, you can trust his timing. When you trust God, you can trust God's timing. I would love it if God would always rescue me in the comfort of my home. It would be way more convenient if God always rescued us in the luxury of the palace. But sometimes God gets us to the lion's den so that we know he's the God of the lion's den. I was thinking about it like this. I was at the gym one time and this guy walks in the weight room. When I say this guy, I mean this guy. His muscles had muscles that had muscles. He's one of those guys. 
demands respect when he walks in the room, you know, just comes in all buff and stuff. And he goes over to the inclined bench press, okay, right? There's a bench inclined with a bar over it, and you pull it off the rack, and you bring it down to your chest, and it's a chest workout. So he comes over, and he starts throwing weight on the bar. He's warming up, and I'm not exaggerating for the point of this story. He is warming up with more than my max, okay? This, he throws on the weight, and he's just throwing it through the ceiling like it's nothing, just puts it on the rack, puts more weights on, puts more weights on, gets down, does some more. Two or three sets in, he has now used all of the weight plates at his whole weight station. So he starts to go to other people's weight station to grab their weights to put on for his bench. And at this point, the bar has a slight bend to it. He's throwing some serious weight and. And he keeps going, and each set, I'm like, surely he's got to be done. And then he keeps going, and surely he's got to be done, and he keeps going. And the whole time, I haven't touched a weight. I'm just watching him. (laughs) I'm like, does this make me stronger just watching you? (laughs) More weight, more weight, more weight. Surely he's done. Keeps going. Surely he's done. Keeps going. And he gets on this one set. He pulls the bar off the rack, brings it down to his chest, and he's going back up. And about halfway up, he stops, and the bar starts to slowly come back down. If you know anything about weightlifting, when momentum has stopped, you are done. Done, 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 done. There there is no such thing as a, come on, buddy, you got it. Like, you're just, you're done, you're done. And so, so he knows it, so the bar is starting to kind of come back down towards his chest, and you can see his face, like sheer panic. He's got veins popping, and he's kind of like looking around like this, and I'm looking at the guy, and I'm like, I cannot help you. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, I'm a pastor. Lord, lift the burden. Like, I, like, I don't know. <laughs> I can't help you. What, what he hadn't seen, though, was as he was getting ready to start this last set, because again, people were watching him, it was this whole scene. A, a trainer from the gym had seen him from across the room and, and, and it looked like he was gonna be needing help. So the trainer came all the way around the gym and as he's getting ready to start that last set, he just stepped up on the spotting rack and as soon as the bar started coming down and hitting his chest, the trainer just reached down and grabbed it and put it back on the rack. And and I'm just seeing this entire scene go down, and I'm thinking to myself, this is so much like how our God works so many times. When, when, when the weight of life is so heavy and so crushing, and we don't, we don't know any other way out, we do not have an absent God. We, we do not have a God who is disengaged, but, but we have a God who is there and willing and able, and in his timing and his goodness, he intervenes like only he can. You can trust his timing today. Look, for some of you, you're in a lion's den season. And you've you've been through the house and believed God to come through for you in the house, and he has not. And you've been taken to the palace and believed God in the palace season, and he hasn't. And today you find yourself in the roar and the stench of the lion's den. And, and, And I'm here to tell you today, you can trust him in the lion's den. You can trust him in the lion's den. He's the God of the home. He's the God of the palace. And he's also the God of the lion's den. You can trust the timing of God today. Look, for some of you, you're not where you thought you'd be right now. 
You feel so delayed. You feel like wheels spinning in the mud and you, you, you haven't gotten to where you thought you'd be at this point. And I want you to know you can trust his timing. You can trust his timing in your life. God is an on-time God. He, he is never late. I've, I've also found he's rarely early. <laughs> but he's on time. He's an on-time God. In fact, Paul tells us this in Romans chapter 5. You see at just the right time, when we were powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. God, God is always on time. You can, you can trust his timing today. Whatever season you find yourself in, God is an on-time God. If I had to put in a simple sentence for you to hold on today, how do I know I can trust God? How do I know I can trust him with challenging decisions in my life? How do I know I can trust him when I'm in a lion's den season? How do I know I can trust God and his timing in his hand in my life? You can trust God today because God is faithful. You can trust him today because God is faithful. This is one of my favorite scriptures in the entirety of the Bible. 2 Timothy 2.13 says this, if we are faithless, I look, hear that. If we are faithless, if you have no faith, if your faith is weak, if your faith is weary, if your faith is empty, if you are faithless, he remains faithful for he cannot disown himself. Okay, look, here's what Paul's saying. He's saying God is faithful not just because it's a characteristic or an attribute of his or a hobby he's practiced over time and gotten good at. He is faithful because it's who he is. And so it's because it's who he is, it is impossible for him not to be faithful. So his faithfulness is not dependent on Nate. His faithfulness is not dependent on you. His faithfulness is not dependent on my situation or yours. He remains faithful because he cannot disown himself. He must be faithful because it's who he is. So it is impossible for him to be anything but faithful to us. He's faithful. He is faithful. He will do what he said he will do. His word is sure. His word is reliable. He has never lied, no, not once. He is faithful. And I could be here until the new year comes in, reading scriptures after scripture. Great is his faithfulness. He is a God of faithfulness. His love reaches to the heavens, his faithfulness to the skies. Great is his faithfulness. He's a God of faithfulness. Littered all throughout the biblical text is, is the reality that he's a faithful God. He's a faithful God. The best example of the faithfulness of God today, though, is not Daniel in the lion's den, although that's a really good one. The best example of the faithfulness of God today is not any story I could tell you from my own life where I could just say, man, God is faithful. The best story is not even anyone that you could tell today. I'm sure we could pass the mic around and there would be so many stories of God is faithful. God is faithful. Th those are not the best story of the faithfulness of God. The best story and the best example of the faithfulness of God is the cross of Jesus Christ. It's the cross of Jesus Christ. It's the best one. And so today as we end the new or as we end the year and enter the new year, here's what I want to challenge us to do. Remind yourself that God is faithful 
by looking to the cross. Remind yourself, remind your heart, remind your mind. God is faithful by fixing your eyes on the cross of Jesus today. See his great love for you today on the cross of Jesus. See his great sacrifice for my sin and your sin today on the cross of Jesus. See the lengths that God went to be good on his promises by looking to the cross of Jesus. See his faithfulness today in the nail-scarred, outstretched hands of Jesus on the cross today. The cross is a declaration, God is faithful. God is faithful. And he can't be anything but because he can't disown himself. In fact, the cross is a picture of 2 Timothy 2.13. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. The cross is a declaration that we were faithless. We were dead in our sin. Me and you, we all had the opportunity to choose our own way or God's way, and we all chose ours. We, we are sinful. We are broken. We are flawed. We were faithless, but he remained faithful. The cross is a picture of 2 Timothy 2.13. Paul explains it like this in Romans 5.8. He says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, faithless, Christ died for us faithful. While we were faithless, Christ was faithful. I pray today that you see the cross fresh with your spiritual eyes and that the Holy Spirit would remind your heart today, God's a faithful God. You can trust him today because he's faithful. You can look to the cross and be reminded that no matter what season you find yourself in or no matter what mountain lies before you, you can trust him today. You can trust his word. You can trust his promises. You can trust his timing because he is faithful. He is faithful. I think my favorite part about the story of Daniel is not only the faithfulness of God displayed all throughout, but what we see on the back end of Daniel trusting God. Because again, we know from verse 23, Daniel trusted God. He trusted God. So look, if, if I don't trust God and you don't trust God, God's character is unchanged. He remains faithful. But, but if you don't trust him and I don't trust him, I, I, I lose some of the power in the things God wants to do in my life that would be displayed if I had trusted in a faithful God. So, so the final thing that I love from the story of Daniel is this, that when you trust God, you display his power. When you trust the Lord, you turn your life into a billboard for his faithfulness. You, you turn yourself and your life and your story into a trophy. Ephesians chapter 2 talks about a trophy of grace. You turn your life into a living testimony of the fact that God is faithful. Today, I want you to trust him, not just because he's faithful, but because I know if you do, he'll display his power in your life. That, is, that his hand will be upon you and that no matter if you find yourself in the home, the palace, or the den, you'll see the faithfulness of God and the power of God in your life if you trust him. You know, I, I grew up in a family of three boys, and so we would often uh, frequent Costco uh, for, for trips to get a bunch of food. And uh, I've noticed when I'm here, you guys have tons of Costco's. Right. They have them everywhere. They're everywhere. And uh, we have an 11-year-old son, and he, he currently loves Costco for the same reasons that I loved Costco when I was a kid. And that is the free samples. Yeah, come on. The spirit is in this place. You know, you know, 
Free samples. Free samples. Right? I remember as kids just running up and down the aisles all throughout finding the sample stations where they would give out samples. And it is always the weirdest stuff where you see it and you're like, what, what? There's like cotton candy enchiladas. Like, what is that? Like, I don't think I need that, you know? But then you try it and you're like, oh my gosh, that is awesome. That's really good. And, and so we, we would go around and fill ourselves up on these little samples. And, you know, you're only supposed to take one, but the people that work at those stations are always like the nicest people in the world. They don't care. So they just dish them out all the time. And so we're getting all these samples, all these samples, all these samples. And then we would always take them to my mom and say, like, we need to get these. We need to get these. And when, like, you know, when you say these at Costco, that means an 18-pound bag of these. Right? So she'd be like, yeah, sure, whatever. Right? So we would go back and we would get the whole bag. We had to throw the bag on our shoulder and run it back over to the cart and throw it in the cart. And what, what we were saying every time was we were like, hey, I, I, had the, I had the sample. I had a taste of this thing and, and it was so awesome and so good that I want a ton of it. It, it was so good to me. It, it, was so, it was so great that I want the entirety of that. This is how God works when, when you trust in a faithful God. You're, you're handing out to a watching world around you just, just pieces of his goodness and just little windows into his grace and, and, and just small samples of his mercy and his love. And a watching world sees and wants to say, well, I want the whole thing. What, what is that? Taste and see that the Lord is good. When you trust him, you put on display for a watching world that God is faithful. And look, this is, this is right from Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6, once he's lifted out of the den, King Darius does something that if you, if you think about it too much, it, it's kind of confusing. King Darius brings Daniel out of the den, and he makes this declaration to the entire kingdom. Verse 25, he wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language and all the earth, may you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence, look at this, the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues, he saves, he performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. And he rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. If you're anything like me, you read this and you're like, time out. 20 verses before this, this same man stood up and issued another decree that went like this. I'm God. Pray to me. Bow your knee to me. If you cross me or doubt that, your life is over. I am the greatest authority. I am the king. All worship, all power to me. 20 verses later, Daniel's God is the living God. His kingdom endures forever. He rules. He reigns. His dominion will never end. And you have to ask yourself, in those 20 verses, what in the world happened? King Darius did not attend an awesome church service. King Darius did not hear a great preacher preach a great text. All of that is awesome, and all of that is great and needed. But what, what happened for King Darius? King Darius saw the faithfulness of God displayed in the life of Daniel, who trusted him. 
when you trust God, you display his power. And God, God wants to intervene in our life. And I, I don't want you to not trust him and miss out on what he has for you. I, there's, there's people around you that are, that are waiting to see the goodness of God, that if we'll trust him and display him, that they'll taste and see that the Lord is good. So listen, if you don't trust him, he's faithful. But if you do, get to see his power in your life and display it for a hurting, broken, watching world around us in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me today all over the room at every campus? Today, I want to pray for you. And I want to pray specifically for those of you today who are in a, in a season or facing a circumstance where it's a challenge for you to trust the Lord. Or, or today, maybe find yourself having never trusted the Lord. And today would be a day where you trust the Lord for your salvation. You surrender your heart and your life to him. I want to pray for you today. Father, I pray for my brothers and sisters today. I ask that you'd fill their heart with faith to trust you. Lord, as we enter the new year, we declare with all of our heart, we trust you, Lord. We trust you. Lord, I pray for my brother and sister today who maybe is in a lion's den season. And Lord, maybe they've been there a while and they are fatigued and they are weary. Lord, I pray you'd give them the faith today by your Holy Spirit to trust your goodness. Lord, I pray today you'd fix our eyes on the cross of Jesus and remind our hearts that you are faithful. Help us today, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Church, let's stand and worship together.